Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Okay, today we have as our guest Yoon Kim, who is a PhD student with Sasha Rush at Harvard University. And he's going to talk to us about a paper that was at iClear 2017, titled Structured, Attention at Structured Attention Networks. So Yoon, it's good to have you with us. Good to be here. So can you tell us what this paper is about? Sure. So um, as we all know, sort of um, the rage in the past two years or so has been imbuing deep neural networks with attention, where roughly we can think of attention as performing soft selection over some memory bank. This could be words in a source sense that you want to translate or a bunch of sentences um, of facts over which you want to do inference, save the question answering. And uh, we noticed that in this case, you can sort of interpret this as there being one latent variable um, and then performing some sort of um, expectation over this latent variable. But um, because this is a single latent variable, there's no sort of structure among that, there's no inherent structural bias that's given in these attention networks. And the, um, the point of our work was, hey, can we make the attention distribution take into account the often inherent structure that we see in the inputs? For example, if we're doing, say, character level translation, we have this inherent structural bias that words exist. Or if we're working with, say, natural language sentences, um, we would ide ideally like to think that there is um, you know, there's still debate about whether this is really true or not, that there is some recursive um, syntactic structure about the sentence that we want to incorporate into our models. So the idea, the core idea of the paper is to uh, consider these structural dependencies when calculating the attention distribution. And we experiment with two types of attention, uh, two types of structured attention networks. First is um, using a linear chain conditional random field um, to compute the attention distribution. And we do this for neural machine translation and question answering. And second, a slightly more involved model is to um, use a first order dependency parser, graph-based dependency parser, um, as, uh, to compute the attention distribution. And I think what's neat about this is that um, previously, we've had neural networks parameterizing the potentials into some graphical model, whether it be a CRF or a graph-based dependency parser, for structured prediction. But in our case, we're using these same graphical models as um, internal neural network layers um, instead of only doing it for structured prediction. And um, I think we think this is one way of incorporating the structural dependencies that exist in the input and um, into deep learning models. Yeah, I, I really liked the way that you described in your paper um, using the example of machine translation, that the different kinds of attention that you would do and what uh, implicit or latent modeling that this is actually doing. So, right. so the, the typical attention uh, that was introduced a couple of years ago uh, says for each word in my output, when I'm decoding a new word, uh, mm -hmm. I look at all of my input and I pick a word essentially, essentially doing an alignment with this attention. Right. Uh, 
Right. Whereas, uh, and that's like what people have done so far, and what you're introducing here is, in it, instead of doing an alignment between the word I'm outputting and the words that I have, let's implicitly or latently model a segmentation or a, or a, right. latent, or a latent parse. And I can right. do an expectation over these latent segmentations or latent parses and use the output of this expectation as my context vector or whatever. Is that right? So I, I yeah, I liked that that analogy. It really helped me understand what was going on here. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, so it seems like if you want to do this, you need more data. Is is that? Uh, so you're you're having a, a larger latent model in between. Do, does this change like the amount of data that you that you might need to use in order to get good latent representations? Does this question even make sense? Uh, yes, so we've been asked that a couple of times, and unfortunately, we didn't do an analysis of performance as a function of data. My sense is actually these types of models will require less data because when you have these structural biases, um, you're actually having a quite a strong inductive bias on the model architecture. So my sense is that it's actually more statistically efficient for the model to learn with these types of um, ostensibly more complex networks. But I imagine um, you can do better with less data with these types of networks. That's interesting. I, I guess um, having a stronger bias definitely would make you think there's a, a smaller data requirement. But at the same time, you, you introduce more parameters to your model, don't you? Um, not really, actually. So in the case of the linear chain CRF, we actually only have four more additional parameters, which parameterize the pairwise uh, potentials. Um, and compared to the other model parameters, of which there are millions, um, it, it's a minuscule increase. And in the case of the syntactic attention layer, that has actually the exact same number of parameters as the normal attention model. Really? Okay. Because the sensors, you just give these potentials to some attention network. And in the normal attention case, you just pass that through a softmax function to get your marginals. Whereas in this case, we pass the same potentials through and do some dynamic programming to get, again, the marginals. But the marginals you get have implicitly summed over um, typically an exponentially set of um, structures. So it's inherent, implicitly taken into account the structure. Interesting. So then does it make sense to uh, to say that the main uh, overhead of using structured attention is that you have to do the inference uh, and that uh, like the computation overhead of computing the marginals uh, may be more uh, like may, may be more expensive than the original uh, way we typically do attention? Yes, the computation is definitely a big overhead. So for example, in the case of neural machine translation, um, both attention layers have the same asymptotic runtime of ON, but we, in, in reality, we found that the um, linear chain CRF was about five times slower to train. And in the case of syntactic attention networks, we found it, so that syntactic attention is now N cubed versus, I think, N squared in the normal case. And that was about, um, I think, 100 times slower to train. But um, actually, there was a really uh, nice paper that was posted on archive, I think a couple of weeks ago from University of Edinburgh. Um, it's from Yang Liu and Mirella Lapada. And they actually 
um, extend the syntactic attention. Uh, the paper is called uh, Learning Structured Text Representations, and they make the syntactic attention layer um, actually much, much faster by calculating the marginals not with um, the not with um, Eisner's algorithm, but with the matrix tree uh, theorem, and then using that to calculate the marginals, and that bypasses, you know, for example, that allows the dependency parser to be non-projective, which is cool. I think that's a really nice piece of work that everyone should check out. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think uh, we haven't described uh, for the listeners what exactly the method does, like how the how you actually incorporate a latent segmenter or parse trees uh, into the model. Um, it's a little bit hard to, to describe math uh, in, right. in this, uh, but, but can you give like a, a brief um, description of how exactly this actually works? Sure, I think um, at a high level, we can view attention networks as simply learning, let's say you're given a memory bank where these are vectors and each um, element in this memory bank encodes something about the input. It could be a word in the sentence or a, a fact. And a typical attention networks uh, gives you some weighting function, which you use to get a linear combination of these uh, memory vectors. And typically you, um, you take a convex combination you produce a distribution over these memory vectors. In our case, it's the same framework in that we use a similar model to learn a weighting function for each of these memory vectors. But the, but the way we do it is not through a simple softmax, but through something um, slightly more complicated that um, implicitly considers the structure among the memory vectors. So in the case of, for example, machine translation, um, at each decoding step, in the normal attention case, you have a softmax over the source sentence that gives you a distribution over which word to softly translate at each time step. Now instead, um, our distribution in the case of machine translation can also be encoded with the binary vector of length n and we can consider distributions over all possible bin now binary vectors of length n. And to get the weighting for a particular element in the source sentence, we implicitly sum up all the um, possible binary vectors using dynamic programming. And we use that as a weighting function to weight the, the hidden state for the position at, say, i. Yeah, so... Um, the way I understood this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, you can understand typical attention mechanisms as computed at computing expected feature counts, which, yes. which you might do in, say, a standard EM algorithm. Right. Uh, and uh, we can take this notion and generalize it to more complex graphical models and still use, use our standard inference algorithms like forward-backward or inside-out algorithms mm -hmm to get expected feature counts and use that essentially uh, as the next step in our model. And so what you're actually doing is embedding this forward-backward um, inference algorithm into the network itself. And it works because right. it's all differentiable, turns out. Right. Which is, That's exactly right. Which is pretty cool. Uh, okay. 
Um, can you tell us about the experiments that you ran in the paper? Um, yes. So, as um, as indicated, we had two different types of structure tension at work. First was a linear chain conditional random field, which uh, we applied for neural machine translation and question answering. So in the case of neural machine translation, our attention distribution was, again, over all binary vectors of length n, where n is the length of the sentence. Um, and we use that to weight the, each of the words during each decoding step. And we, we experimented with um, Japanese to English translation. And we had two settings where we had Japanese characters to English words, um, and then Japanese words to English, English words. And the reason we chose this is um, for Japanese to English um, translation, typically word segmentation is done as a pre-processing set for Japanese because um, Japanese doesn't have sort of natural segmentation as is the case in English. And we wanted to see if um, the structured attention network could be a way of performing character segmentation at, uh, in a soft way. So that was the point of our Japanese characters to English word experiments. And we also um, uh, experimented with a standard case where we did segment as a pre-processing step and tried Japanese wor words to English words translation. And in that case, you can sort of um, think of the structured attention doing as performing maybe phrase-based neural machine translation because now you're segmenting it to phrases. And what we found was... Um, on the character to word task, the attention, structured attention outperformed uh, the normal attention model by quite a bit. Although in the word to word task, it was, um, the outperformance was only very slight. Um, and then we also experimented with question answering um, with the baby tasks. And I think even though baby task is quite synthetic, what's nice about it is uh, so we, in that case, the state of the art on baby tasks sort of attend to one fact in the memory bank and then condition on that, they attend to other facts. So you can sort of interpret this as doing greedy inference. And we wanted to see if structured attention could be a way of performing global inference. And um, again, uh, I, I think what's nice about the baby tasks is that because it's synthetic, you can actually see whether you attended to the correct fact in the memory bank, um, given your attention layers. Yeah, and we. I guess, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll jump in here and say that I, I've been critical of the baby tasks in the past, and if, if you're calling it language, then I think those criticisms are justified. But but at the same time, there's a place for synthetic data sets to help you tease apart what exactly your model's doing. So yeah, this is totally a, a fine application. Right, um, and I think w w what we found was indeed the structured attention layers were able to attend to the co correct sequence of facts versus normal attention layers. But unfortunately, if you look at the question ac accuracy, which is what we really care about, um, the performance was quite similar. And I think this means that the correct sequence of facts are not really necessary to solve the baby tasks. And I think, Matt, you made a similar point um, on the podcast with yeah. the relational learning paper yep. that you can exploit some other sort of template type 
features to yep. solve the baby tasks as opposed to being required to do infants. Yep, exactly. And um, and then for the syntactic attention layer, i.e. with the graph-based dependency parser, we tested on a very simple synthetic task of um, formula reordering, where you convert from, I think, prefix formulas to infix. And then also on natural language inference, where we modified um, one of the existing models um, from Google, Uncoparic's decomposable attention model, to take into account what we call soft parents, which are um, a convex combination of the word vectors where the weighting is given by the parsing marginals that you get from running the inside-outside algorithm. And in that case, we observed small improvements. Interesting. So uh, Ankur Parikh had a bit a version I, th I think you compared to this right where you use um a, like i think they called it intra-sentence attention right where, where essentially each word can soft select its head hopefully right. hopefully in kind right. of the same way as, as what you're doing except um I, I thought it was interesting that you compared to that as a baseline in most of the tasks that you did and right because for us that was sort of the natural that, that was the modeling con contribution that we were arguing for and that you could do this in sort of a naive way with a simple softmax or you can do something maybe slightly more complicated and consider the structural dependencies so that was always our baseline yeah so I, I it made me wonder what exactly is the difference um, uh, like what what causes the gains that you see and it, it am, am I right in thinking that it's uh, enforcing global constraints uh, of like well-formedness of the tree because it, it, in your baseline you still get some notion presumably of, of headedness for each word and you get the the words head as part of the context of the word. Right, right. Is, is, am I right in understanding what the difference is? Um, that's right and yeah that's exactly right so it's yeah it, it's interesting that you can get uh, such a big boost by um, enforcing the constraints. I guess if it's, it's not, I wouldn't it's, call that a big boost. Yeah, okay, but it's I, not I, I, think, um, I think on that data set, it's definitely statistically significant. But actually, it, it'd be quite interesting to see what the gap looks like as a function of the training data science. My, my conjecture is it's going to be bigger in earlier training stages, but because this data set's quite large, the soft... Um, sort of the naive softmax model sort of learns the same types of attention um, that the structured attention, the marginals that you get from structured attention. And indeed, when we looked at sort of the grid of the parsing marginals, they were quite similar for natural language inference, as opposed to the synthetic tree manipulation task where it was quite different. Yeah, yeah, I was just looking at that table in your paper, and you get a, a much larger boost in these right. different kinds of attention. Um, the, there's also, perhaps SNLI is just uh, too easy, and you don't, you don't need the structured attention as much. Yeah. Like, may, maybe there's some of that going on, too. Yeah, and I think we didn't pick, like, the, the best task to uh, um, maybe test these models on. Um, I, I think the idea of like sort of incorporating a parser as a hidden layer is a nice thing, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where we could apply th these types of models. Yeah. 
one one question I was going to ask you. I think you we mostly already hit on this though. Is like uh, how does this actually affect runtime? So you said you get about a five x drop in performance when you do the segmentation attention and a hundred x drop for the parsing. Do you think right. it's it's practical to actually do this? Uh, um, so these were definitely not optimized in that, and like it turns out when you so a lot of these dynamic programming algorithm you got to index into various parts of you know say a dynamic programming programming table, and that's not necessarily the fastest on a GPU. So sometimes you have to do some of these on the CPU, and there's overhead and you know shifting these across. So I think these are definitely not very optimized. Um, I think in its current implementation. Especially the syntactic attention layer is probably not as practical to implement. Although um, that paper I mentioned before does, I think I'm gonna see. So it's called learning structured text representations, and they have some speed comparisons. Um, yeah, they find that. Oh wow! So their sort of way of getting the marginals through the matrix tree. Um, sort of matrix inversion is almost the same as simple attention. So, oh, this is this is really cool, actually. I mean, the, the inference is still in a cubic and the length of the sentence. Yes. So, I guess, yeah, because their speed is only like, the, the speed they report is very similar to the simple attention model. So, it must be that, on like, the bottleneck is not coming from the cubicness, but maybe from like the sort of the matrix operations. They're reporting 10 times, about 10x improvement from the forward backward. Uh, yeah, it probably makes sense that uh, using matrix operations uh, is getting you much, much right. bigger improvements on the GPU. And this also has like a nice application of the tree attention model by, so they do a sort of a parse tree over a document um, instead of a sentence. And I think that type of sort of applying, what types of inputs can we impose a tree structure bias to? Thinking about that would be a nice application. For example, can we have a parse tree over an image? What would that look like? Cool. So I, I had another question. How do you, so currently, um, we're learning the attentions completely in an unsupervised way. Uh, I wonder if it makes sense to, in cases where we have uh, supervision, where we know where, what the segments are for some training data, uh, would it make sense to um, set up an, an additional objective function and do some sort of multitask uh, learning uh, to learn uh, the attention? I think so, yeah. Um, so, or maybe even to just initialize these layers. So actually for the natural language inference task, we did have a setting where we obtained the pause for the sentences, and then we pre-trained the attention layer on a dependency pause of the sentence for like uh, one epoch to initialize the attention layer. But we found that that actually did worse than training from scratch, which could mean that sort of the recursive structure that you get from a dependency pause is not, necessar not necessarily the, the best recursive structure that you want for this task. Um, and then, but yeah, having doing some sort of semi-supervised learning or having some weak supervision is, I think, um, it makes sense. Do you have any notion of the the 
difference in the structures learned in the pre-supervised <laughs> case versus the learning from scratch case? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Um, so in general, we found that the structured attention, the attention layers learned from training from scratch, mostly only fo focused on the main verb, as in we typically got the main verb correct, but the other sort of um, attachments weren't as correct. Whereas um, with the uh, with the structured attention layer that was initialized from a pre-trained parser, it mostly preserved the pastry of the, the actual pastry. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if you said that maybe the, the dependency parse isn't the best representation. I wonder if we could learn something about the data set by seeing what what right. the model picked out, what it decided to do with this structured representation. That would be an interesting way to analyze properties mm -hmm. of data sets, I think. And the paper I mentioned before also does a more extensive analysis of the types of recursive structures learned by these models versus ones you get from a dependency tree. So the okay. character level uh, machine translation may be uh, a more direct way of uh, Yes, I, I think this. that makes, yeah, that probably makes much more sense, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, I think that's all the questions I had. Any last words? Um, no, I think you guys are doing great. And yeah, keep, keep doing it. <laughs> all right, thank you so much, Yun. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too.